T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Starting shortstop on the Jackie Robinson West team that went to the finals of the 2014 Little League World Series, Howard has blossomed into the best prospect of his position in the 2020 high school class. He's set to become the first Illinois high school position player to go in the first round since Jason Worth in 1997. Using a simple right-handed swing and a call approach, Howard makes repeated hard contact. His impressive bat speed and projectable 6'2 frame that continues to add strength so he could develop average or better power. He has solid speed and uses it well on the bases. A smooth defender and shortstop, Howard definitely will be able to remain at the position. He can make all the plays with athletic actions, quick hands, and a strong arm capable of making throws from a variety of angles. The Oklahoma recruit has a high baseball IQ and knack for slowing the game down on both sides of the ball. Hit and Run with Matt Spiegel, Sundays, 9 a.m. to noon. That is our next guest, Jim Callis of MLB Pipeline, talking about Tim Howard, who we've had on this show, the shortstop from Mount Carmel. Expected to be a first-round pick, and I would think still expected to be a first-round pick. And this year, he uh, and his immediate future will not be affected, but about 1,050 other players will by the official now decision from MLB to cut the draft from 40 rounds to five. Let's talk about it with Jim Callis as he joins us right now on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline. Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. Good morning, Jim. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Matt? I'm um, good, man. I hope you're safe, sane. Happy yep. Mother's Day to uh, to yours. And uh, yeah, we've got. Uh, she's the mother of uh, four kids, and we have four dogs in the house. So a lot going on. So yeah, that's a, that's a big pile of responsibility <laughs> on a Sunday morning. I'm surprised she's given you ten or twelve minutes to step away and well, talk uh, to us. So thank well, you. Well, our kids are older, but this is like uh, this is like we have two of our four kids are with us right now, and the other two are are living elsewhere. But. Um, the, the two who are here, it is also their birthday. So it is uh, everybody here in the, in the Callis household but me is either going to be honored for their birthday or Mother's Day today. So so, so you get nothing. but you're yeah, I get nothing. I get, I get my day in June. So, uh, uh, There you go. Um, all right, so I know you were not surprised that this is um, how it eventually came down. Any surprises in how we got here before we talk about the ramifications? Because... I had heard that there was a deal on the table for 10 rounds um, with bonuses cut in half, that kind of thing. But any surprise at how we got here to the five rounds and five rounds only with a $20,000 maximum for undrafted free agents? No, I mean, when they had the original deal, which was more of an addendum to a deal that was that, that, that really involved more how much service time players were going to get and the fact that they would not sue the owners if there's no season. They would not sue them for their, their, their salaries. The draft was kind of an afterthought. and MLB did not want to have a draft this year. Um, and 
the union said, no, you have to have a draft because it's part of the collective bargaining agreement, but essentially said, feel free to screw the players however else you want, and we won't stand in your way. You know, you want to defer all their money except for $100,000 per kid, up to $100,000 per kid, go ahead. Um, you want to take players uh, who don't get drafted and we'll put, put a 20000 max, go ahead. Um, you know, whatever you want, go ahead, but you have to have at least a five-round draft. And, yeah, they came back, MLB came back to the players, I guess, a couple weeks ago, last week, and they wanted to do round six or ten, but they wanted to cut the bonus slots in half for those rounds. And the union, yeah, I think the union's position on all this stuff is we have an agreement. We didn't agree to let you cut slots on players if you had a ten-round draft, and we don't want to go back and reopen an agreement we already had. So they said no. Um, yeah, I thought it was interesting. I, I think Jeff Passon was the first person to tweet about the, the, the five rounds being a certainty, and he portrayed it in his tweet as, hey, MLB wanted to do six through ten, but the union shot that proposal mm-hmm. down. No. MLB wanted the union to agree to even further rollbacks on rounds 6 through 10 that they had not agreed to, and the union declined. I, so I thought the, the initial tweet by Jeff was a little pro-MLB, making it sound like the union didn't, you know, wasn't amenable to doing rounds 6 through 10. But it's, it's terrible. I mean, it's, it, it's bad. Uh, you know, yeah, look, we know everybody's hurting. You know, there's no revenue in baseball right now, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, the five-round draft – the bonus pools for first five rounds are $236 million. I'm sure a lot of fans are like, oh, my God, $236 million. Well, the union's letting them defer $220 million of that. They aren't going to pay those guys that. They'll get half of it next year, half of it two years. So it's not like this is a cash outlay that they have to pay the players now. To do a 10-round a draft would have cost each team another million dollars per team. To let them sign free agents, say, Five or ten of them for a hundred thousand instead of twenty thousand would have cost you know five hundred thousand to a million dollars per team, and what they're going to get instead now is you're going to get a five round draft. I do think some players will sign for twenty who would have gotten more in the past, especially if you're a college junior. It's probably the best option if you want to play pro ball, but mm. you know a lot of these kids matt who who get these six figure bonuses after the fifth round, you know there were three hundred and ninety five of them last year they aren't going out and buying cars and yachts i mean they're paying off college loans, and when they're making a thousand dollars a month for five months, they get paid five months out of the year in the minors, and they need money to eat, and they need money to train, uh, and all those types of things, they aren't going to have that money now. And it's a real shame, because I don't think they had to squeeze those guys like that. So 695 players, is that what you said? 395. Um, there, there were 395 players last year after the fifth round who got yeah. at least a six-figure bonus. And now all those guys can only sign for $20,000. Okay, so that's that gives you an indication of of the kind of the the normalcy of of those kind of bonuses. And a lot of time, those players are guys who they could be high schoolers who they're trying to keep from going to college, right? They could be juniors that they're trying to keep from going back to college. So that's why they get offered high. That's usually why that happens. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd say. Of those 395 players, and I didn't break it down in particular, there's a handful of those guys are, are high school players. Like most of your high school players who are going to sign are going to sign early. But I'd, I'd, I would estimate out of that almost 400 guys, I'll bet that close to 350 of them were college juniors. And now mm-hmm. it, it's tough because, yeah, you could go back to school and, and you'll still be a junior next year, but you'll be 22 teams you know, look at the age of players, and, and let's just assume, and I don't think this will be the case, but if, let's just assume, let's say everybody went back. Well, if everybody goes back, you have all the guys you know, who are going to go in round 6 to 20 this year 
with all the guys who are going to go in round six to twenty next year, well, half those guys aren't going, aren't getting drafted in a twenty round draft. There's there's just not enough room. There's going to be fewer minor league teams. Who knows what college mm-hmm. baseball is necessarily going to look like last year? And if everything's equal, if I'm looking at a twenty two year old kid and a twenty one year old kid, I'm taking the twenty one year old kid. So the, the the sad reality of it is, is that I think you know I don't know how many of them will sign. But if you're a college junior right now and you went to college, and look, some kids go to college and they want to get a degree. I mean, that's what a lot of us did. Um, you know, yeah. and some people use baseball as a vehicle to do that. You know, good. You should go back and get your degree. But I do think if you went to college and your goal going to college was I want to play pro ball when I'm done. I mean, it stinks. Like maybe you would have been an eighth round pick this year, or a twelfth rounder who would have gotten one hundred twenty-five thousand. If you get offered twenty thousand dollars with this landscape, if we're going to have fewer minor league teams next year and the draft's already been shortened and the mm. economy's bad, you, you probably should take the twenty to get your foot in the door because it's sad, Matt. There are going to be kids this year who turned down twenty thousand dollars, and I understand the frustration with that. You know, who would have gotten one hundred twenty-five or more? Which, you know, the limit for signing non-drafted free agents or guys after 10th round used to be 125, and you could even go over that if you had bonus pool money. You can't even use this year with your bonus pool. If you save money in your bonus pool, you cannot pay guys more than 20000 regardless. You can't divert the money to them. And, and so these guys are going to be frustrated, and some of them are going to go back to school, and then you're going to, where they're going to wind up next year, a lot of them aren't even going to get drafted because there's going to be this glut of players in a 20-run draft with 42 fewer minor league teams. It's going to be really sad. So so the owner's motivation here, obviously, is to save that million, that million five. Um, it, maybe for some of them, it's a little bit more. And then there's the deferred money. But but their their desire is to save that right now in the middle of a crisis and pay current employees. All right. So, you well, well, you're, wait, well, I mean. <laughs> I don't want to say I guess I should be careful since I work for MLB, uh, MLB dot com. I mean. That might be the case. I mean, it's still not going to stop teams from furloughing employees if, like, there's no no major league season. So, mm-hmm. I mean, look, I, yes, on one hand, it's very easy for me to say because it's not my money. Look, you know, they're they're doing people wrong. But, they're, but the thing is, too, they're also hurting the sport. You're going to have a year Without where you that. only signed five rounds worth of players. And, I mean, we, you know, you know, Jake DeGrom was a ninth rounder and Paul Goldschmidt was a seventh rounder. And there's all kinds of examples of guys who weren't in the first five rounds who became good big leaguers. I mean, it's not high on a percentage basis, but every year, you know, you'll see, you know, several guys from each draft after the fifth round become good. And mm-hmm. you're going to have a gap. Like, if you like, well, well, let's look at the two local teams, both, both the Cubs and the White Sox. You know, the, the, the Cubs, you know, do not have one of the better farm systems in baseball. The White Sox have a very top-heavy farm system. You know, we've talked about it. And, you know, yep. assuming we have a season, Luis Robert and, and, and Nick Madrigal and Michael Kopech will probably all graduate off the prospect list this year. And the White Sox will have one of the thinner farm systems in baseball. And you get no opportunity to add depth to your farm. You, you, you get five picks. And next year we're going to have a 20-round draft, which, you know, theoretically could get shortened even further between now and then. And you're going to have – you know, who knows what's going to happen with international. They're already kind of pushing that back a little bit. Like, we might not have an international signing period in July. It might be January. And so you might have a two-year period where you would normally sign, I don't know, 100 or so players internationally and domestically through the draft where teams are signing maybe more like 30 or 40. And that's going to be a huge, you know, like three or four years down the line, MLB is going to feel that. Yeah. You know, so that's, if, if if that's the stated reason, if that's the somewhat public reason that we have to pay 
other uh, other employees and keep from furloughing. Yes, we know they're going to still do that because yeah. that's what corporations often end up doing. But this other broader long-term approach of streamlining the miners and cutting down, that's the part that I can't get over because it seems like they really want to streamline it and and cut down what their own baseball ops people will tell them is the most efficient way of producing cheap young talent, which is the best currency in the game. No, so you're why right. do I mean, the yeah, I mean, why are they just, doing that? Why, why are they why are they believing that that is the right thing to do from a business perspective? It's not. I, I agree with you, and I will say, not, not that I'm worried about anybody listening to this and getting in trouble. I will say, look, if, 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 if the motivation for this is purely we want to keep more employees employed, then, you know, God bless the owners. Like, I mean, and I'm not saying that's about my – I know a lot of people. I mean, you do too who work for teams. I don't want to see anybody yep. lose their job. So, like, if, yep. that's, if that's truly the motivation, you know, then my hat is off to them. I, I think what it comes down to, honestly, is all this comes down to dollars and cents. It's just like when we adopted the bonus pool system after 2011. You know, it saves teams a little bit of money, but it also makes it hard to sign players, and you're going to lose some players to other sports. Um, when that happens, and you know, you know, baseball's talked about you know cutting back the minors and shortening the draft, and you know, I mean, the coronavirus is basically making that happen for. I mean, the minor leagues are, are basically giving up without much of a fight now because they may not survive if, if you know with with what's going on with the economy and with the yeah. draft. I mean, the players, you know, the, the draftees aren't part of the union, but the union gets to collectively bargain the draft because it's tied to free agent compensation. So, like, what do you – I mean, what are the players going to do if they're offered incentives? Hey, we'll give you this, but we want to do this to the draft. They do it. It, it's, it is short-sighted. I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, and, and that's the other thing, too. I mean, not only, you know, just from a talent standpoint, but from a cost-efficiency standpoint, it's so much cheaper to, to sign players out of the draft because, you know, for three years, you basically can pay them pretty much the minimum. You know, Pete Alonso is, you know, incredibly thankful that the Mets are going to pay him 653000 or whatever it is this year because um, they're paying him like 50000 more than they have to uh, after he, you know, hit 53 home runs last year. You know, and, and you see, you know, the games that went on with Chris Bryant where his free agency, you know, cost, it cost mm-hmm. him a year of service time by, by monkeying around with him. And, you know, you, you control these guys. It, and it's huge. I mean, you know, like Chris Bryant, you know, whenever he leaves, you know, I don't know if they trade him. You know, they got two more years. Chris Bryant won't have been paid market value. I mean, the the Cubs will have profited, you know, I, I don't know, probably, I mean, with his bonus and what his salaries are, the Cubs probably come out $200 million ahead in terms of the production he's delivered them on the field, not to mention what winning a World Series and souvenir sales and all that. I mean, yeah. they, they, I mean, you know, they, uh, Chris Bryant alone, who was the number two pick in the draft, who got one of the highest bonuses of all time, they're going to come out at least $200 million ahead. That, 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 I mean, if you had 20 drafts and you got Chris Bryant and you got nothing else, then you'd break even, and obviously they're getting more, than, you know, more than that in 20 drafts, and it, it, it is incredibly short-sighted. It's, it, it doesn't make sense, but I think when the owners get involved with the draft, I, I think they get hung up on that the the draft. To me, and again, it's easy. I'm not the one spending millions of dollars, but I also don't have a franchise valued at billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Is it's research and development, and you're not going to always hit on everything you put into R&D if you're in business. But the guys you hit on, because the system is so skewed against young players getting their market value, you come out so far ahead. I mean, you know, Javi Baez is another guy that they got all kinds of excess value out of. Even you know, Albert Almora, who you know, hasn't quite been what they hoped, but they're going to come out ahead on Albert Almora. I mean, you can go on and on and on. I mean, it, you know, internationally, too. You know, if they had held on to... 
you know, and there was value in training, but they held on to Gleyber Torres and, uh, and, and Eloy Jimenez. They, they'd get hundreds of millions in profit in terms of production as opposed to what they invested in those guys for six years of their career. I mean, it's, you know, and that's what you look at, but I, I think the owners get too fixated sometimes on, you know, the guys who don't make it, who bust, and then it's like, oh, we paid $2 million to this guy, and he didn't do anything. But, yeah, but, like, the guys you come out ahead, you come so far ahead. And, I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. shoot, before, the, the bonus pool system was the best thing that could have happened to the White Sox because before that, I mean, Jerry Reinsdorf hated spending on the draft, and the White Sox literally spent less than anybody in baseball on the draft. At least with the bonus pool system now, they spend their pool every year, and, they're, you know, they're, they're up with everybody. But before that, I mean, they were spending, like, $3.5 million a year on the draft. Yeah, they, they, they've had a lot of guys drafted after round six that have have made it to the bigs. I mean, a lot of teams have, even if even the ones who are bad at it, even the ones who've been bad at the draft have had success. I saw the numbers yesterday, um, Jim, according to Sport Radar, of the 1,410 players who played at least one game in 2019, 1,046 had entered the league through the draft. And almost half of those, 483 of those, 46% of the drafted players who played in the league last year were taken in the sixth round or later. That That is yeah. a massive, that is a massive percentage because teams are not great at it. And also some, some guys are not as good in high school or college as they end up being because they grow and they develop and yeah, they mature and they bust their hump. Exactly. And, you know, like one of my favorite scan directors, he always says, the draft is hard. The, the draft is hard. I mean, it, you know, on one hand, if you look at the draft, you know, the first round picks are the most successful, and then there's like a, a graph that kind of drops off the cliff and flattens out pretty quick. Um, but, you know, you need to cast that wide net. You know, like, like even like when I talk about players, you know, we talk about guys being like fourth to seventh rounders or sixth or tenth rounders. I mean, those are wide groups of players. You know, sixth to tenth round is 150 players. And in my mind, they're all kind of basically the same. You know, even, you know, some guys will go in the sixth round, some guys just go in the tenth round. But, I mean, yeah. the, you know, it, it's just there's some randomness to it. You know, you, this isn't the NFL or the NBA. And, you know, the thing is, I mean, you look in those sports, I mean, <laughs> look at the Bears. I mean, Bears don't draft well. Um, you know, like like those at least at those sports when guys miss, they get to the big leagues. You know, they play in the NFL, mm-hmm. they play in the NBA, so they don't look as a, a big of a bust. But you know, in baseball, the big difference is you're projecting guys out so far. If I'm looking at Ed Howard, I'm trying to figure out what Ed Howard's going to be when he's 23 years old. You know, it's five years from now. Like there, there's, you know, I, I could be a great scout, but there's still some guesswork in there. Even your college guys. If I take a guy at 21. Unless he's a superstar, he's probably not going to be in the big leagues till he's 24 or 25. So I, I've got to project mm-hmm. these guys so far down the road. And, and, yeah, I mean, there is some hit and miss to it. But and, and, again, I mean, the thing is, when you get into the sixth round to the tenth round, you know, that's five players. You know, typical team's bonus pool is going to be a million bucks. And then after the tenth round, you know, like I said, you, know, you can sign guys for 125, and anything over that counts against your pool. Like, you know, so, like, I could get, say – you know, 10 guys in rounds 11 through 20 for a million, million, two, five. Like, that's $2 million for, you know, 15 players. If I hit on one big leaguer in there, I come out ahead. I just need one. Um, right. And, you know, the, the odds are you're probably going to get more than one. Another minute or two with Jim Callis from MLB Pipeline. So the message to specific kids, I'm sure you can think of many examples of people you've dealt with kids that you've scouted, information that you've compiled, multi-sport guys who are either in college and can play a couple sports or they're in high school and they're thinking about going to play other sports and they get an offer of a, a bonus for 100 grand, 150 grand, 
and that changes their thought process, changes their life, changes their family's life, and they choose baseball and eventually make it to the bigs. Now, if those kids are offered 20 grand, they might just say no to baseball altogether. That That's my fear is that baseball, which has struggled so much to grab some of these multi-sport guys, even though there is such a, a benefit long-term in being a baseball player in terms of the money, the health, the guarantees, and all that, there's going to be a ton of kids who say, you know what? No, no, I'll, I'll just go ahead and continue on my multi-sport path or do something else. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, to be honest, there aren't a lot of high school kids who are necessarily going to sign for the 125. So I don't think we're going to see that many high school kids affected, you know, who who would have signed for a decent amount of money affected by it. Because most of your high school guys who sign for money go in the first five rounds. But it kind of sends a message that, like, hey, you want to go to college and play baseball? Like, this is what might be awaiting you. You know, you're, you're going to have fewer teams in the minors. We're having a shorter draft. We're going to make it harder to enter pro ball. And, and, you know, the message might there be like, ooh, like, you know, do I really want to pursue baseball? You know, plus the fact that baseball is extremely expensive to play at the amateur level with all the travel teams and that it, it, it's not a good sport in terms of scholarship ratio. I mean, you have 11.7 scholarships for a 35-man roster. I mean, you can do the math. There aren't a whole lot of baseball wow. players on full scholarships. I mean, you're paying your way to play in, in a lot of cases. So, you know, I mean, and that's the other thing that's going to be tough, too. We, we didn't even touch on this, Matt, is that there's going to be, and this is going to be sad, too. So if a high number of juniors who nor ordinarily would have signed for six-figure bonuses go back to school, you're going to have mm-hmm. a bunch of freshmen, incoming freshmen, who find out in late July, early August, their team doesn't have any scholarships money for them because their juniors came back. And sorry, but, you know, you're going to have to go play junior college or go somewhere else. Like, there's going to be a lot of kids in July and August who find out right before they're getting ready to go off to school that they don't have a scholarship this year. And that's going to be really sad, too. Yeah. Um, Jim, anything else that, that we've missed here that, that, that we should get in? I, I, I guess, I, I mean, is there a happy medium? I know that it's been 40 forever. If we have 20 rounds next year, and if the owners, and they're going to get their way, get to streamline the minors a little bit, and eliminate a high A or eliminate a low A and do that kind of thing. Is there a more efficient way of doing business that also does not, you know, crap can the entire system the, in a way that they're trying to do? Is there a middle ground that could make sense? Yeah, I mean, I, and, I, and I think, look, I think you can definitely argue that, the, that, that if you were setting up the miners from scratch today, you were, we were just building yeah. this now, that the current system does have inefficiencies. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. I, I do think if you had a 20-round draft, you know, and you had normal slots for the first 10 rounds, and you could go to 125 for rounds 11 through 20. Yeah, you know, I mean, there are a handful of guys who get, you know, six-figure bonuses after the 20th round. But, but honestly, if, if you haven't been picked in the top 20 rounds, like, you're not a, a can't-miss guy. And if those guys wind up being guys who, who get, you know, a handful of dollars, you know, if they get an opportunity or don't get an opportunity. I mean, look, there's guys in those rounds who make it too. Um, you know, not everybody, but, like, there, there's, there's guys who get drafted in those rounds who make it. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking, you know, C.G. Edwards was, was a real low-round pick. Uh, I don't know why Sergio Romo just popped in my head. He was drafted in the 20s. Like, you know, and, and maybe, you know, you, you're still going to miss out on those. But if you had a 20-round draft, which is the plan for next year, you, you, you theoretically are going to capture probably 90 to 95% of the of the big league players that you normally would capture. And I do mm-hmm. think that could be more equitable. It's just five is such a such a small Ridiculous. number, and it's going to, like I said, it's going to create a, 
a talent gap in minor league systems. Plus, next year's draft is just going to be this bloated draft because you're basically going to have a lot of guys who would have been round 6 through 20 this year with the guys who mm-hmm. would be round 6 or 20 next year. Well, I mean, the math is half those guys can't get drafted. Plus, like I was talking about, the high school players who aren't going to have spots, they go to junior college, they're draft eligible. So, I mean, you're going to have this bloated draft next year because they only did five rounds this year and, you know, however many $20,000 free agents they can sign. Yeah, so many, so many great stories. Whether it's the, was it the the 38th round pick that was Mark Burley in 1998? Yeah, yeah, right? he was a draft and I mean, and that was like, and that was a rule, and people missed that rule. That you used to be able, if you drafted a player and he went to junior college, you would mm-hmm. keep his rights for a year. And you could sign him before next year's draft. So you could kind of, was, you could kind of see how he developed. But yeah, I mean, I, we just did a thing on, on great, the best small college player on each team. And, you know, Mark Burley was a 30th rounder. I mean, Jim Tomey, you know, who, who played for the White Sox, you know, was drafted by the He was a 13th rounder out of Illinois Central. Now, I mean, you know, theoretically, you know, he would have continued to play and maybe gotten spotted. But, like, you know, I mean, he doesn't get picked in a five-round draft. Yeah. So, you know, well, we'll see if we if it bounces back to the happy medium. But it's uh, it's long been so obvious the currency of of a good farm system and the currency when it actually gets to the big leagues of, uh, of, of cheap and useful talent. And this this move is just going to absolutely destroy this year's crop of that. Jim, thanks for the honesty. Thanks for the time. And uh, I'm sure you'll still have a job. Don't worry. I hope so. Well, I was going to say, I mean, just, you know, the, the, just on your last point, Matt, look at yes. what the Cubs did when they came in. Well, what they said they were going to do. They're going to build from yes, within. Sir. And they did that. And, like, I mean, if they had been, you know, if, let's say this had happened when the Cubs were rebuilding, this would have been a huge blow to only have a five-round draft. Um, you know, because, I mean, they basically won with, I mean, they did sign some free agents, but they basically won with homegrown talent. And they traded, you know, Glaber Torres, brought in Chapman. And, you know, I mean, they, they, they did what they said they were going to do. They knew that was the most cost efficient way and they went about and did it um yeah, yeah and the reason it, it and the reason they're sad. in trouble now the reason they're in trouble now jim is that they've been bad at it they've been bad at drafting the last you know four or five years overall so now they don't have that currency but just because you're bad at it doesn't mean that you that you cut it out a lot of other teams have been good at it they have to get better and they're trying to and, and you know the, the secret to that too is like I, i've done this for 30 years Nobody drafts well year after year. Like, like, the, like I said, the, the draft is hard. You could take whoever you think the best scout is or the best scouts, and you look at their teams, and their draft performance is up and down because it's hard. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the Cubs will tell you, yeah, it's a lot easier when you're picking in the top five or six, you know, three or four years in a row than it is when yeah. you're picking in the 20. You know, that's the nature. The, the, the draft is just hard. Yeah. Jim, thanks so much. Appreciate it. And, um, and get back to the family and, and the dogs. Yep. Well, thanks. Take care, Matt. Thank you. Thank you. It's Jim Callis from MLB Pipeline. Phone lines are open if you want to hop in at 312-644-6767 on the short-sighted nature of this. And we're seeing it a lot with a lot of different corporations doing, doing things that, are, that feel a little bit advantageous, feel a little bit opportunistic um, in the current climate. It's hit and run on 670, the score. A little bit later on, we're going to talk to Paul Sullivan about uh, Michael Jordan's MLB Odyssey. Uh, When we are done today at noon, it's the Bears and the Vikings as part of our Bears Sundays. It's the Bears and Vikings from week 15 of 2010 when Devin Hester makes history on Monday Night Football and the Bears knock out Brett Favre. 
That is uh, coming up after us at noon. But between now and then, your text at 67011, your phone calls through on 2644-6767. If you want to slide in some Mother's Day stories, we can definitely still do that right here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. The premier baseball show in Chicago, Hit and Run with Matt Spiegel. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. Well... It was distressing to think about the draft quite that much, distressing to think about the business and the opportunism of billionaires quite that much. Um, Let's think about something nice. I think it's nice anyway. I mean, doesn't it feel good, White Sox fans, to know how much Bryce Harper loved you, even though he didn't choose you? It should feel nice to know that when your team went to step up, They really did impress Bryce Harper. I think it should feel nice. Although then you missed. You missed on him. You missed on Machado. And that was all uh, problematic. But that wasn't about the quality of the pitch that you missed. It was just the number, then the line that was drawn in the sand about Machado. But anyway, here we are moving forward. And this team is poised to be very intriguing. And I think very, very competitive. And maybe real good if we do get a season. Guafi given uncertainty about future infection, but how much better would they be if the right field hunt had not needed to involve Nomar Mazzara or a um, a dalliance with Nick Castellanos or considering Yasiel Puig if right field was manned by Bryce Harper. Here's Bryce Harper on a podcast this week on the starting nine via Barstool talking about his experience in 2018 with his free agent meeting uh, with the Chicago White Sox and how well it went and what he thought of them. So I met with Chicago, had a really good meeting with them. You know, it was always like something where I was like, man, I want to play in Chicago. Like, that'd be fun. But you always talk about Wrigley. Like, you don't really talk about America and, you know, playing in Chicago. But I love that blue-collar feel on the south side of Chicago. Back in the day when they were really, really good, it was them, the Blackhawks, and kind of like the Bulls weren't really relevant until Jerry kind of went over there from the Sox and got things going. And so I was kind of like, man, like, they could be a good team. They got a lot of good arms. They got Kopech. They got Lopez. They got Giolito. Two guys they got from the Nats for the Eaton trade. So, you know, they have really good pitching. They got Dane Dunning as well, who's the minor league guy, who could be in the big leagues this year, possibly. So they had a lot of good prospects coming up. Madrigal. So they had a lot of good guys. And I was like, hmm, who's going to hit behind me? And I was like, oh, shoot. Big old first baseman's a brave one. Yeah. yeah, that's huge for me because he's kind of very, he's very like just goes about you know goes about his business like hits you know two eighty every year with twenty five quietly and nobody really talks about it. But he's a very good guy to hit behind me. So that was a very you know big thing as well. I was like, man, these people are going to show up because they're blue collar and they want to see their freaking team win again. And you know when I when they were winning you know back in the day that place was sold out completely. So I met with them. I was like, yeah, that's that's that was a great meeting. I thought we had a really good meeting. That's really interesting on a number of levels. Um, We know that when these guys take their meetings, the smartest of them, the best of them, are really their own CEOs and really think about every aspect of it. And so, of course, he's thinking about who's going to hit behind him. That's obviously big. We mentioned earlier he was walked 13 times in a four-game series by the Cubs in 2016, and Ryan Zimmerman did not do his job in that particular series. Um, but having Jose Abreu behind him was exciting. That's one thing. He rattled off all the names of the pitchers, did his research, and knew Dane Dunning from the minors in Washington and uh, some other guys. But that stuff towards the beginning about, like, the history of Chicago organizations and what this town has been about historically, who's been good, who has not, 
and what Jerry Reinsdorf has done, that's fascinating to me. Can you play that again from the beginning, Sean? Because there's no way that Bryce Harper did that kind of research. You know, let me look back at the last 40 years of, uh, of Chicago professional sports on the ownership level, and let's see how it's happened. That means that they sold him on on Jerry Reinsdorf's ability to create winning and used when he took over the Bulls uh, from a Wurtz as uh, part of the example. Listen to this again from the top, and we can just cut it after that business part. Okay, Sean? So I met with Chicago, had a really good meeting with them. You know, it was always like something where I was like, man, I want to play in Chicago. Like, that'd be fun. But you always talk about Wrigley. Like, you don't really talk about America and, you know, playing in Chicago. But I love that blue-collar feel on the south side of Chicago. Back in the day when they were really, really good, it was them, the Blackhawks, and kind of like the Bulls weren't really relevant until Jerry kind of went over there from the Sox and got things going. And so I was kind of like, man. See, that's amazing. So, yeah, the blue collar. Um, so I think you get a, a big glimpse into the pitch there. And, and that's where the pitch should be. You know, all that stuff. Sure, pitch blue collar, pitch Jerry's when Jerry commits, and that's what he has done, and that's what they are doing. That's uh, that's that's good stuff. I, I like that that came out, and I like that we get a bit of a window into how it was presented to Bryce Harper. Yeah, be a real good team. Be a real good team with uh, Bryce Harper there in the middle of that lineup and uh, playing right field as opposed to uh, Nomar Mazzara, which is a decent little gamble for your 7, 8, or 9 hitter, and that's what he would be. But um, yes, the answer is they would be better with Bryce Harper. Thanks for the conversation. Good talk. Good talk, everybody. If that was the question, the answer is yes. Sean Anderson is our producer. Scott Radinsky of White Sox fame, of punk rock fame, of Dodgers fame, of having married into the Guillen family fame as well, is going to join us at the top of the hour. When we come back, though, we'll um, talk about what will be one of the episodes tonight for The Last Dance. And uh, that is uh, Jordan in baseball. We'll trace the history of that, trace how that went down, and uh, trace the journalistic part of it as well with our guy Paul Sullivan from the Tribune. We'll do that next on Hit and Run right here on 670 to score. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Look at this. Look at this. Come on now. The alley in left center field. Jordan, extra bases. see a little bit of what everybody likes about Tito Francona, the calling Michael Jordan homie. An outstanding, I mean, that's a bullet right there.
That's Terry Francona mic'd up right there. As Jordan rips one, homie. It's six seven to the score. You're listening to Hit and Run. And I want to talk about Jordan and baseball, but I'm told I need to ask our next guest first about everything that Bryce Harper just said in our last segment. It's uh, Matt Spiegler with you on the score. Our next guest is Paul Sullivan of the Tribune, who's also the president of the Baseball Writers Association of America, and I'm told had some thoughts on Bryce Harper's diatribe about what the White Sox had pitched to him back in 2018. Paul, the floor is yours, sir. Uh, good morning, Maddie. Uh, I, I don't want to go into... Uh... You know, a diatribe on uh, Bryce Harper, but you know, it seemed like someone just probably Boris, I assume, fed him a bunch of talking points. The Hawks and the Sox were all, you know, those were the teams that were really good, and then Reinsdorf bought the Bulls, and then they started. Come Uh on, (laughs) what the revisionist history? And he forgot to mention Michael Jordan is what made the Bulls. Um, oh, no, no, no. Bulls. Come on. Oh, organizations win championships, Paul. You know that. Um, uh, you know, I mean, I know. You know, anyone can say blue collar. That's like the easiest thing in the world to say about the White Sox. He didn't know anything about the White Sox. You, you know, if he was so interested in them, uh, you know, his name faded out really quickly in the whole uh, rumor mill there. So, uh, you know, obviously that didn't really become that serious. But... Whatever, you know. I like that. I like that. I don't, I don't want to like, I, get into it with Bryce Harper, but you know, come I, on. I man. understand, but I like that. That's the Sox pitch that that they fed to Boris, and Boris fed right back right right back to Bryce. I mean, if I'm the Sox, I'm trying to pitch that. You know, we used to run this town, and uh, and our owner knows what he's doing. I don't have that, any problem with that sell job. Yeah, well, Even that's if it's not true. No, it's understandable, but I don't know who the who he was talking to in that interview that was just like, oh yeah, 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 <laughs> come on. <laughs> uh, when was when were the Sox always sold out outside of '05 uh, and '06? Maybe, uh, I, and even I that, don't, yeah. they were outdrawn yeah. by the Cubs. So you know, come uh, on. Whatever. Uh, Paul Sullivan is uh, is living baseball history in this town um, with respect and knowledge for all that came before him. And that's kind of the backdrop of this Jordan story that you wrote the other day to me is like you must have had some fun going back and kind of tracing journalistically how this went down. Like it starts with um, Cheryl Ray. Uh, of, uh, of of public radio um, fame and several other radio stations. And Cheryl Ray is a delightful person. First reporting that Jordan was taking batting practice. She's first. And then Bob Verdi writes that Jordan is serious. And then um, eventually you get to Bob Green, who hasn't been mentioned in the Tribune in an awful long time. But you must have had fun, have, have fun uh, chasing that down. Is it is it kind of crazy to think about how the story was broken then because it wouldn't have happened that way these days. Once any of it got out, all of it would have been chased, probably. Yeah, it was interesting to me because I had forgotten a lot of it. And uh, there was one guy you, you missed in the middle there. It was after Verdi came out and said, hey, you know, this is Jordan is serious. This is what he wants to do. Uh, the very next day, Jerome Holtzman, his colleague at the Tribune, the baseball Bigfoot and you know, one of my mentors as well uh, came out and talked to Reinsdorf, who who said, "Ah, oh, no, no, he's he was just fooling around. Uh, you know, he's getting rehab from Hermie on his wrist, and kind of shot mm. it down." And then, you know, and then like a few weeks later, I mean, this had been a rumor percolating 
uh, on the score and everywhere for a while, but it was never really confirmed until uh, Michael talked to Bob Green about it and said, hey, I'm, I'm serious. I'm going to spring training. I'm, and it wasn't like uh, I'm going down to spring training to play for the Birmingham Barons. He was going down to spring training to play for the White Sox, and he was adamant that uh, he, he thought he could make the White Sox. And that was, you know, in hindsight, ridiculous. The whole thing, you know, in hindsight was, you know, kind of a pipe dream. But, uh, you know, at least he played a year in the minors. And, uh, you know, I guess some people could say that hitting 200 for a 31-year-old guy or 30 years old, however old he was, without, you know, playing since his high school days is mm-hmm. impressive enough. But, you know, there was no way that he was close enough to become a major league ball player. Right, but before we even get to the the way it ended up, those first few weeks when there was a rumor on the score and there was a rumor a bunch of places, and yes, yeah, as you pointed out, Jerome Holtzman, um, the the well eyebrowed baseball legend, Jerome Holtzman goes to Reinsdorf and and Reinsdorf poo-poos it. We find out now. Herm Schneider was on Inside the Clubhouse yesterday with me and Bruce and was talking about they were mm-hmm. working out every day for eight weeks quietly every day for eight weeks like seven eight hours a day and Hermie was strengthening shoulders and elbows and all the stuff that Michael would have to use that he didn't use in basketball was thinking about him physiologically they were working that hard like as as ridiculous as the goal seems in retrospect and as it even seemed then Michael was completely and utterly serious about it but was he serious thinking that he was just going to, like, be good enough to just play with the socks all of a sudden? Cause that's I, I think it I was. I, I thought he, yeah. you know, was all all on board of, you know, going to the minors. And, but originally his thinking, according to the Bob Green story, was, uh, no, I'm going to make the White Sox out of spring training, which, oh. you know, come on. So it just yes, showed so, so you think he, he had was... some hootspah. As, uh, you might say. <laughs> and yeah, I, I might, don't know if I pronounced that right. It was close, close enough. The the effort is it's like a rushing attempt. You know, I don't care if you gain <laughs> yards. You made the rushing attempt, and um and we all appreciate that. Um, and, and you yeah, also so, we have to say that yeah. Jerome was a biased observer. I mean, he he was very much against it and didn't even like Michael as a basketball player, which was odd to read those stories on how. Uh, you know, he, he just, you know, he didn't pass enough and he was, you know, thought he was just in it for himself. And, and, it, and it was funny that as soon as Michael's plans were pretty much confirmed, he called up Bozo the Clown to see if Bozo would, would come out and play for the Cubs. So he was mocking it from the very start. Well, so there, there we have, you know, the keepers of the game, the protectors of the game, which of course is now your role, Paul. But um, Jerome, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you weren't aware of that, poor job of it. (laughs) But so Jerome, that's amazing that Jerome Holtzman. This is after three championships, by the way. I mean, it's one thing to call Jordan a ball hog in '89 or '90 when they're wondering whether his brand of isolation ball will end up leading to winning or not, as so many people were wondering. It's one thing to do that, but after it has won three titles, to to, to call him a ball hog and not a team player is 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 pretty ludicrous. But there were others too. Jimmy Pearsall said oh, yeah. that Jordan's belief that he could become a major league hitter without the necessary years of practice, quote, makes me want to puke, unquote. Yeah. So it, it, do you do you, do you remember 
Like yeah, some he of said those, that to me. So that was, he did. He, yeah, where was yeah, that? that one. Uh, I love that. Uh, that was uh, I was doing the story on um, you know what will it what will it take for Michael to play baseball and all. I talked to uh, Jimmy, um, also Gene Conway. It was a former uh, guy that played for the Celtics and then played for the yeah. White. Uh, I think the White Sox. Uh, definitely Red was a Sox, pitcher. Red Sox, maybe. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, there was, you know, Danny Ainge played baseball and basketball. It had been done before. Not Dave DeBusher, right? Dave DeBusher, yeah. Yeah. So I was doing something on, you know, what it takes and talking to different people. And Jimmy was adamant that, you know, it took me, you know, four years of high school, um, eight years before I became a a very good, uh, you know, outfielder and just, perfecting the outfield play much less hitting and uh he, he just thought it was very insulting to all the people that did put in the years for jordan to think that he could just walk in and and become a major leaguer right off the bat and um you know jimmy's pretty opinionated guy as we all know it, it yeah. you know, probably got him fired many times uh, from the cubs definitely and basically from ryan Storff. So, uh, yeah. you know, take that for what it's worth. But, uh, you know, it was such a, a crazy thing when you think about it now. And I'm, I'm interested to watch the the episode tonight because, uh, you know, just thinking how crazy it was for us to, wow, Michael Jordan's going to play for the White Sox. What, what in yeah. the world? I know. I wonder, I wonder if someone would be able to try this now and whether they would – even be allowed to attempt it. Like, I mean, there's LeBron, the tight end, right? Uh, you know, it's like, and, and I, for most linebacker. people, or people at that level, with, yeah, linebacker, linebacker would be pretty good too, but I, I've always thought as a tight end, can you imagine a six foot nine inch, you know, 275 oh pound LeBron running a seam yeah. route down the middle? Uh, oh, um, I love LeBron play. Right? Um, yeah, but it's, it would be the audacity, the, the audacity of it, and and at that level, you know, I I I would what would be different? What would be different about trying it now? I don't know that anyone would would. I don't know that we'd entertain it, but but I guess Michael was in a complete and utter class by himself. He could do anything the hell he wanted, really, at the time. Oh yeah, and it definitely the fact that it was uh, Reinsdorf's had both teams, you know, probably yes. helped in the situation. Um, you know, yeah. we can just go back a few years to uh, it seemed crazy when uh, Samarja was, uh, you know, had, you know, we all thought of him as uh, maybe not a first mm-hmm. round draft pick, but certainly an early round draft pick for Notre Dame. He was a really great wide receiver in, in college. And the thought of him, you know, playing for the Cubs was kind of ludicrous at the time. Then Henry mm-hmm. gave him a, a pretty nice contract, I think, to to uh, yes. make sure that he didn't play football. And, you know, he turned out he's not a, you know, maybe not an all-star, but he certainly is, uh, uh, well, he got $90 million contract. So, you right. know, he, he did okay in baseball. So uh, He made the right choice. You know, he, uh, yeah, I mean, he, it, he, it can you can be talented in, in two different sports and, and then choose the other. But, mm-hmm. you know, the way Jordan did it, you know, not, you know, not playing since high school and then, during your thirties, <laughs> you switch sports. That's, yeah. I don't know if that could ever happen. Amazing. Um, all right, Paul, thank you so much. Um, a pleasure. And, uh, thanks for, thanks for hanging out with us. And I enjoyed the stuff and I'm glad, uh, 
I'm, I'm glad that you traced the journalistic end of it because that, that was as fascinating to me as, as anything else with it. We'll be watching tonight. I'm sure you will, too. Will do. Thanks for having me, Matt. Right. You got it, Paul. Thank you. It's Paul Sullivan of the Tribune. Jeff Samarja, by the way, he was an all-star. 2014 was an all-star. Remember, he was in an Oakland A's uniform, even though he was an all-star on the strength of his first half with the Cubs because they had traded him uh, to Oakland at that point. It is hit and run on the score. Matt Spiegel is who you are with. That was the Addison Russell, Dan Straley, Billy McKinney trade. Samarja and Hamill? I think Hamill. Before um, Hamill eventually came back. When we come back on Hit and Run, Scott Radinsky, the uh, former White Sox pitcher and still and current and former and current punk rock lead singer will join us. That's next right here on 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 